Hey everybody, welcome, um, welcome to the show. Dropping the gloves with Tim, uh, Tim and John. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me, John. It's really a pleasure. I'm very excited. I've been humbled, Tim. Um, I'm not not quite as energetic as I usually am. I woke up this morning and I didn't know what to think. You know, you, you think you have everything figured out. You. You, you, you think you know something, and then your life gets turned upside down. I'd like to take a minute, so just sit right there and tell you. No, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, Montreal won, Tim. They won. They sure did. They looked really good while doing it, too. I was very strongly um, of the opinion that the Vegas Golden Knights were the far superior team. Um I really went all in on this, Tim. I really doubled down. And you did. I'm getting a little blowback, getting a little pushback. Fans are, uh, you know, the old that didn't age well. Oh, yeah. Old takes exposed. I, it took a good three days for my old takes to come and come back and bite me in the old caboose. Man, Montreal looked good. They, they, they played well, they, they started off strong. If if they get the lead, they're a very good team when they get the lead. Especially they got that two nothing and then a three nothing advantage. And once you give Carey Price and that team the lead, they, they're they're a really good front running team. That's not a slight. That's that's just a, the fact. And Vegas, you know, they tried to come back. Carey Price shut the door. He played well. Montreal played well. They got you know like they usually do production across the board. There wasn't any one line that stood out like a magnificent line, but it's tough. It's honestly tough when I'm just like, I honestly woke up. I was like, ugh. you know, when you know you did bad on a test and you got to go to school to get the grade. And it's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I know I'm going to get roasted. It's going to be an F. We had an interview planned and everything was great. Marcus Foligno canceled at the last minute. And he said, he's got stuff going on. Rightfully so. He's allowed to do that. I'm like, great. Now we got to talk about this. (laughs) <laughs> now I got I got to face some music. I I was I was messaging with Tim before the show. I'm like I'm so glad we got Felino. We don't have to talk about Vegas. Hopefully Vegas will just win the next two games. We can ha- do a Monday show and it'll be great. You know we won't have to just face this. I can just come back and be like you know what there was a hiccup. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen going forward? Montreal they're going into their barn. They play great there. They're going to have a rock and house. I don't know what to think anymore, Tim. I don't know what to think. What just you do to you? It's your show now. You you go. It's your show. Take it away, man. The tweet started flying at us the second Montreal scored first, like early in the game. They they were coming at us. Uh, some of my favorites were like the like like you talked about. Basically, it was a cute story, but the story's over. The Montreal thing, and all their tweets are like, "John, it's a really cute win by Montreal last night. Really cute victory over Vegas." That one and uh, or like the only cute story was you in the All Star game. Everything else is serious, and uh, I mean I gotta say it's kind of warranted. You, you really you really did double down and and you went out on a limb with your opinion and just it could I mean it could still be five games. You know what I mean? Like and you and you said maybe one game they steal. So no, I, I did not say that. I said Vegas would sweep. The only way they would steal it is if Carey Price just, and Carey Price did play well. They outshot him 31 to 23 Vegas. They, they played good, but Carey, Carey played well. He made some highlight reel saves like he's done throughout the playoffs. But yeah, they, 
you know, I deserve this. I, I, I will step in front of the firing squad and, you know, what are you going to do? You, you can't, you can't knock them all out of the park, Tim. And I, I apologize to Montreal. I apologize to their fans. I, I still think Vegas is a better team, but who knows? Maybe we got these Montreal Canadiens all wrong. I, I ruled them out versus Toronto, or I said Toronto was going to win the next three. I lost 50 bucks in that prediction. I said Winnipeg was going to roll over them in four, five, or six. They knocked Winnipeg out in four. I said Vegas, they weren't even in the same category as Vegas. And now here we are, we're tied 1-1 going into the third game, and they're going home for two. So maybe, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was, Tim. Maybe, maybe. And that's okay. It it was, you know, and that's why I was saying, uh, gosh, it was three or four episodes ago. That's why I love hockey. You know, it's so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. That's why, you know, drop the puck to play the game. You can, you can get a hot goaltender. You can catch a team on an off night and it's a game of momentum. I mean, you know, all those are cliches, but they're very much true. And Montreal played well. They, they got the lead. The kids got some confidence, and they were buzzing. And they just got on their toes, and they were they were playing, you know, confident hockey. And so was Vegas. Vegas played well, but Kerry played well. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury didn't have his greatest of games. But, uh, you know, we're going in the game three. I, I still believe in the Vegas Golden Knights. But, man, oh, man. What if this Montreal Canadiens team somehow makes it to the Stanley Cup final? Would that be absolutely wild? I would love to watch the Canadians and Islanders go at it because I think they're so similar. I would love to watch those teams go. And Canadians have a much better goalie, I would I would say. So who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's only game two. I, Vegas could easily win the next three, and we're not talking about it anymore. So you, you just don't know. Yes, Vegas is still overwhelmingly the favorite. If you look at the Vegas odds, they're still – by far the favorite, but I, if Montreal does make it, I I would want to see him play Tampa Bay just for the Sergachev angle trade for Duran. I think that'd be interesting, even though Duran's not playing. It would be interesting to see Montreal's reaction is how good Sergachev is. Did he say it? Sergachev? Sergachev, yeah. I don't think that's that exciting of a storyline. Nah, I don't think so either, but I'm just trying to, you know, trying to make something up. <laughs> I don't know. Trying to make some good radio. I'm just like, no, I'm just trying to think of a good angle for Montreal making the Stanley Cup. I don't think they're going to. I think Vegas will win still. Maybe it goes to f- six games. I don't know. But I, I'm not going to be as bombastic as I was before. Like, I, I've learned, you know, I've, I've been burnt by the Canadians three straight series now where I've just, like, written them off. Like, ah, they're bums. They got lucky. Good for them. Corey Perry, good story. They're cute. But now I'm not going to do it. They're a good team. Vegas is better. We will see what happens in game three. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? If they can keep getting goals from Paulie Byron and Joel Armia and Toffoli, the big uh, – Jeff Petrie being back was was a pretty big, you know, win for them. He comes back. He gets an assist. He plays 20 minutes. He eats up those minutes. You don't have to play John Merrill and Gustafson, not nearly as much. And it, it makes a huge difference. It, it solidifies your top four. What's cool about Montreal, and it's also a detriment, their top four are like massive men. Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Jeff Petrie, and Ben Sharia. Those are big boys. Like, you don't see a team with a, four, a top four who is average size is like 6'4", 230. Like, those are big men. It's, kind of, it's, it's really old school. Did you, you see, uh, for it. did you see Petrie's custom glove that he, he had made for his finger? Yeah. With uh, three fingers. So, like, the, the pinky and the next finger are together in the same, whatever you call it, slot. 
um, because obviously he's got some kind of stint. If he even still has it, it could be, splint. you know, splint. What's a stint? A stint is a little thing that goes in a valve in your heart or your va- uh, veins. If you have a clot, you put a stint in and it opens up the, the passage so blood can go through. Why do you know that? Um, my wife worked at Boston Scientific and she was part of the, the control or the uh, whatever it was. Whenever they had an issue, they would send her the bloody bag of the stint that didn't work and it failed. And so she would have to like go through it and figure out why it failed and if it was a you know a production problem or it was just like a doctor or just like a random you know overuse and uh, I don't know, that's how i know <laughs> wow <laughs> that sounds oh. kind of I, I could not do that i don't know she seemed to enjoy it she wasn't like one of the techs she was like the manager or whatever she was the engineer who like checked everyone's work i don't know whatever but yeah so he had a splint he had i i can't imagine what his hand looks like without his glove off did, did they get any pictures on the not, bench not of him seen, taking his no. glove off i the only picture i saw of petrie was him when he had the vampire eyes bloodshot that's pretty yeah. great that's it's pretty scary crazy. his wife uh posted on instagram about that basically saying it's not because of lack of sleep or drugs or anything else, because that's what all the rumors were, but it has to do with his quote unquote upper body injury. And I'm sure no, something will come out. He took a shot of Toradol. He took, and this is, this is the truth. He, he took a shot of Toradol, which is a pain reliever. And that can cause your blood uh, vessels in your eyes to dilate and pop. And so that's why they were, it looked all red. That's a fact. So okay. it, yeah, that's, that's the reason he wasn't like, you know, crying, or doped up on drugs. So that's, yeah, you do take the pain reliever. It's called Toradol. You just get a shot in your back and it just kind of inflames your eyeballs for whatever odd reason. They just kind of go, they get bunch up. But why haven't we seen that before? It sounds like he's, I mean, his eyes are so red. I've never seen anything like that from a hockey player before. I'm guessing it's happened time and like, it's not, you know, a constant thing, but I bet you it's happened before. You just don't take pictures of every player, every single game. Yeah, there's only four teams left, and they're Montreal Canadiens. So, but yeah, so that's why he had the the things wrapped up. He played well. Montreal played well. They played a good game. Like I said, production from everybody. Vegas had their chances. He just couldn't bury. You know, Carey Price played well. He he played really really good. And like you said last show, this guy can steal in some games if not the series. And he he's proving his his ten million dollar salary. The one we crapped on for years saying how you're not going to win with the goalie who makes this much money. He is lit. I don't want to say he's dragging them along. Montreal's playing well, but he's the main factor. And it just got me thinking of, okay, if Montreal does somehow make the Stanley cup finals, there was a really good opportunity that Carey price wins the con Smythe. It's, it's very rare when you see a, a losing player win the con Smythe. It's only happened a handful of times. The last one was, I believe, John Sebastian Giguere in 2003, I want to say, for the Ducks, he won, and then Patrick Waugh won it, and I think Ron Hextall won it, um, if my memory serves me, which it usually doesn't. But anyways, it's always been goalies. There's never been a player who's won it, so it, it would not surprise me if Montreal made the – which they, they're not going to make the, the Stanley Cup final. This is like fantasy land. I'm not going to go into it. But if they do make the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals, he he could win the Conn Smythe, which would be really cool because he, he, it doesn't happen that often. But it got me thinking, who's going to win the Conn Smythe, Tim? And the great thing about the Conn Smythe is, unlike every other sport, every other major sport, the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, 
their MVPs are just for the final series. So the NFL is just a Super Bowl. The NBA, it's just that final series. Baseball, it's just the final series. Hockey encompasses the whole playoffs. And I think that's a, I think that's great. I don't know why you would discount the first three rounds of the playoffs and just take that one, however long game series it is, four, five, six, seven. Because you could get hot. You could be good. You could play. Like, what happens if a guy carries you for the first three rounds, then he just plays average in the Stanley Cup finals, and then you win. You're like, well, you know, thanks for nothing. Like, you got us here. And now we're just going to pick Joe Schmo because he got a couple game winners and, you know, an overtime winner. Yeah, I, I, I like how hockey does it. I think it's really smart. Did you know that they did that, Tim? I didn't. I assumed it was all like all playoffs for all the trophies. No. Yeah. I, I thought so, too. And then when I looked, I was like, wow, that's that's kind of dumpy. I knew the Super Bowl was that one game because they always yeah. do, you know, you, the Super Bowl record, whatever. But it, it just got me thinking, OK, who is going to win the Smite this year? What are the odds? I went on the Vegas odds site. So the player who has the best odds right now is Marc-Andre Fleury. And I, that makes sense. The goaltender, he's on the ice the most. He gets the most face time in the playoffs. You can win games if you're a goaltender. It's easier to make an, an impact if you're a goaltender. So the top two guys are Fleury and Vasilevsky. The next one is Mark Stone. I was surprised by that. I really was. You, you would think you would get a Stamkos, a Kucherov, a Pacioretty, guys who are score like stars on their team. I think Pacioretty is, you know, better than Mark Stone when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. But then it also got me thinking, well, is the Conn Smythe a solely point-based award? What are the criteria that goes into this Conn Smythe award? Who votes on it? How do we get to this award? And I did a little digging. And what I found was it's almost like a popularity contest. It really is. They, they don't use... It doesn't pass the eye test when you go back and you're like, okay, that guy won the consummate. How many points did he get? What was his plus minus? What was this and that and that? It's a con- it's a popularity contest. Every consummate winner is just like the face of the franchise. It, it, I don't know. And it, it really kind of irked me. So I went back five years to 2015. Well, you know what? Let's back it up. Let's go. You know, let's go this route first. And we'll, then we'll talk about who who's going to win the consummate this year. I know. Are you interested in this? Should I keep going? Yeah, no, keep going. I think it's kind of interesting. So 2015, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the cup. This was their second cup in their, you know, dynasty. I'm doing air quotations if that's what you want to call it. Dynasty over 10 years. I don't know if that's the thing. Crosby won the Conn Smythe. When you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who do you think of? Sidney Crosby. Crosby. So if you're voting, you're like, oh, Sidney Crosby. When you assume he wins the Conn Smythe, you assume he's the best player, correct? You assume he he carried his team. He's He got the most points. He had the biggest impact. Who do you think was the, the leading scorer on Pittsburgh at that cup run? The way you position that makes me think it wasn't Crosby. Malkin, maybe? Yeah, right. It's, you would think of Malkin. You would think maybe a Latang had a great playoff series. It was Phil the Thrill Kessel. And, and he didn't beat him by – like he, he beat him by three points. And it, it doesn't seem like that much when you only play 24, 25 games. Three points, not nothing. Crosby was a dash five. Phil the throw was plus two. They they had just, you know, the same amount of game-winning goals, so it wasn't like Kessel was getting garbage goals and Crosby was, like, producing in the clutch. It, it just – and I remember that series. It, it just made me think that it's a popularity contest. It did, didn't sit well with me. So then you go to the next year. They had a back-to-back, Pittsburgh Penguins. Crosby wins it again in 2016. Why does he win it? He doesn't have the most points on his team. It's because – 
the NHL loves to have that. I'm going to Disney world type scenario where it's like Sidney Crosby was the face of the league. They loved having Sidney Crosby out in front of the microphone. They loved having him on the front page of the paper. Here's your con smite. This is the golden child of hockey. You did not want the guy who actually had the most points in the playoffs, the guy who had the biggest impact on the team, the guy who really was a difference maker in that playoff run, which was Yevgeny Malcolm. The guy was an absolute tank in that playoff series. He gets 25, 28 points in 25 games. He, he's leading the team. I, I, stuff like this bothers me. I, it doesn't sit well with me. Give, give the person the award that who deserves it. You know, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, but I mean, you you could argue that points aside. I mean, Crosby's still if he's not first, he's second, maybe third at the lowest, and he's still impacting the game in every single shift. He's also the leader of the locker room, so like you can say that he's still the most valuable player. Like end to end, not especially because like it's not like we're talking about like oh he's the face of the franchise, but he's like you know he's he's jumbo at age thirty eight. You know what I mean? He's still like an elite player that. Could, you could argue is the most valuable player, let alone looking at the points. He's right there too. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's just that. And, and besides that, isn't it, don't you want the face of the franchise, the guy that's most marketable winning these awards? It's good for the league when they can project that guy out there in the posters and then in the media clips and all that stuff too, right? That's exactly why he wins. And I'm not saying it's not a smart thing to do, but you just look at the next year when Washington wins the cup, who's the face of the franchise? Ovechkin, but he also deserved the MVP. No, he didn't. Why not? Kuznetsov had a way bigger impact. Ovechkin scored the highlight reel goals. He got the you know the the power play top corner. Who was feeding him all of his shots? Who drove the play? Who actually facilitated every single one of his goals? Kuznetsov. Uh. He, he was so the, good in that playoff run. He's so incredibly good. He he's taking the faceoffs. He's playing well. He's lugging the hard minutes. He gets thirty-two points in twenty-four games. Ovechkin only gets twenty-seven. Kuznetsov was such a bigger impact player, but like going back to my point, Ovechkin is the face of the franchise. The NHL loves this angle. They haven't won it. Ovechkin, he's slaying all the demons. He gets by Pittsburgh. He gets by Boston. He's finally winning his Stanley Cup. They want to show him going around the, the ice, holding up the cup, and he's going to get the con Smythe. The pitchers are fantastic. He's going to have the heart, the con Smythe, the cup. It's going to be like Wayne Gretzky. Everything's nice. They're going to get that Russian money. It's going to be fantastic. And they, it just, I don't know. We, we talked about it when they're voting for the – the what's the goalie award gosh why is it the Vezina the Vezina or even the Calder or the Norris it's just like you not not the Calder the Norris you give it to the guy who's next in line who's got the next cue he's like okay you haven't won like this year Fleury's gonna win it because he he deserves it but maybe not as much as some other goalies this year but he's the next in cue Marty Turco said he should have won it but they gave it to Brodeur it's just one of those things where I think reputation outweighs merit and that just kind of sits wrong with me. And then you go to the next year. Ryan O'Reilly wins it. He did lead his team in points. But oh, he deserved it. He deserved it 100%. You think so? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The game – and I watched this, obviously, he as a Bruins fan. Right. Because he was shutting down. like The, the turnovers he was creating, the pen, trading down good. penalties, winning faceoffs. He outplayed Bergeron. I'm just going to so, play yeah. devil's advocate because last year, Victor Hedman won it. And he didn't leave his lead his team in points. He wasn't even second. 
Kucherov gets 34 points in 25 games. Point gets 33 in 23 games. Hedman still wins it just because everyone thought he was like the defenseman with the biggest impact. He's logging these hard minutes. He's playing unbelievable. In the St. Louis series, that guy was Peter Angelo. He was only a few points behind O'Reilly, and he's a defenseman. He's logging all the hard minutes. He's playing the power play penalty kill. He's just totally controlling the play. He doesn't win it. You go to the Tampa Bay series, Hedman's the face of the franchise, other than Stamkos, who obviously didn't play. Kucherov doesn't get in front of the camera much. Point doesn't get in front of the camera much, rightfully so. Those guys are quiet guys. Hedman's the face of the franchise. He's got the hair. He's got the beard. He's got the size. So you give it to Hedman. I just, it seems to me that they already know who the Smythe winner is. And they're just waiting on which team wins the cup. So right now, if it's Montreal, it's going to be Price. Yep. If it's Vegas, it's going to be Flurry. If it's the Islanders, it's going to be I don't know. <laughs> That's the only team where I'm just like I have no idea who it's going to be with the Islanders. They have just a bunch of like really okay to really good play. Like they don't have that guy on that team. You know what I mean? Like so, Pajot leads them with 13 points, and he's really good defensively and on the faceoff dot and all that. But yeah, Bailey, Brock Nelson, Barzal, Bavillier, and Eberly all have 10 plus points, which is like so. There's another guy with nine right behind them. So it's just like crazy. And you can't really look at their goalies either because like Varlamov has played well, but he's only played nine out of their 15 games. Sorokin has played six, and his stats are actually better than Varlamov's in terms of goals against and save percentage. So. I, I don't know. Who, who do you pick? Ryan Pulak has been awesome, but he's not. A, he's he, you can't give him the the Conn Smythe. No, you know, it's just it's crazy. It's it's impossible think, to pick. I think I would pick Barzal in that group just because, like we talked about, like my argument is he is, I guess, the face of their franchise. Yep. If he's anywhere near the top three on that team in scoring, they're going to give it to Barzal. But that's just my prediction because he's the Islander. When you when you think of that team, you think of Barzal. So I don't know. So let's just go through the teams. If, if it's Montreal, is there any other player other than Carey Price who could pry the award from him if they if somehow win the Stanley Cup? No, it's Price. Nobody. 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 Even if Corey Perry goes on a run and just a point a game, just playing great, it's Price. I think so, too. I think yeah. it has to be Price. Has there ever been a a team in recent memory that has just – had a goaltender played so like he has not had an off game. He's played really, really good every single game. Flurry's had an off game. Varlamov's played shaky. Even Vasilevsky, the the brick wall, everyone you know thinks he is. He's had some pretty off games. Even in the first round, he was letting in goals versus was they play Florida the first round? Uh no, I think that was Segron. He was letting in some, you know, uncharacteristically weak goals for him. I don't know. Is there a goalie other than Price that you can think of that's just had this kind of playoff run? I can't think of any. It, it makes me think of like I began about a decade ago where I think Johnny Quick, Jonathan Quick, you hate when I call him that, Jonathan Quick and uh, Tim you Thomas. Have in your life been in 500 <laughs> feet of Jonathan Quick? I've never been in the same city at the same time. Yeah, but like, oh, Johnny. Johnny, bye. John, Jonathan Quick and Tim with, Thomas. showered with John Quick, no big deal. And basically back-to-back years had like the best – at that point, like the best performance ever among a goalie in a playoffs in terms of like gold against and all that. So like, I remember those guys just being lights out, but not since I don't think we've seen anyone play as well as Price and, and Flurry really have played. Who's the be- best acrobatic goaltender of our era? The guy who just is unorthodox, 
doesn't really have a style and just kind of flops or not flops around, but just is super acrobatic uses his athleticism to make saves. So do you have any idea? I, you know, who I like is Anton Hudobin. He just <laughs> is diving around out there. No rhyme or reason what he's doing. He has no like real style. He's not a butterfly guy. He's not a stand up guy. He just says, he just kind of, he competes. That's my guy. Do you, any, anybody? I mean, Flurry makes some acrobatic saves, but he's much more like the question you asked was the best of the generation, and then you said Hadovin. So I, I, well, in our in our generation, the the thing is, not many guys kind of have all the goalies play the same. They they really do these days. They take away the lower part of the net. They play big. They go side to side pretty well. They're all butterfly goalies. It's just very rare when you get a guy who kind of bucks the trend. I think a Hudobin does buck that trend where he, he isn't your typical butterfly. He, he double pad stacks sometimes going side to side. Like he, he kind of mixes it up. That's why I say him. I don't know any other goalies that don't play the butterfly style. Now I'm sure I'll get a hundred, you know, tweets saying I'm an idiot and there's plenty of goalies, but I, I think most goalies these days play the same style. So I don't know, maybe who's the best of all time. Then the best guy who just had no, no form, and they just compete, and they just won games. There's an obvious answer. Pasek? Dominic, Dominic Hasek. Yeah. He was the most entertaining player, potentially, of all time. He was just absolutely an, just a freak of how flexible and athletic and just, I don't know. Let's not go down that road. So, okay, we know Montreal's Carey Price. Who do you yep. for Tampa Bay? That's interesting because they have, you know, like I said, Hedman won the last year. He's no slouch. He's playing pretty well. They have Point, they have Vasilevsky, they have Kucherov, they have Stamkos, they have all these guys who play well, Kalorn and all these guys. Who do you have from them? I would pick Kucherov, um, not just because obviously he leads the team in points. I think he still leads all the playoffs in points, but he's just been so like nails when they need it to, like big what power does that play mean, goals. Nails? Uh, I don't know, but you know what it means. Like just clutch? He's been like rock solid, yeah. He's been tough. He's been reliable, uh, like a good nail, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but I, I wonder, and maybe there's some overthinking it, but like, does the league avoid giving him that trophy to not draw any more attention to this whole cap circumnavigating thing than it already has? Like, is that just putting too, too much of a spotlight on what the Lightning did in this situation or no? Uh, no, I think everyone's already dealt with that. Which player was it? Dougie Hamilton who said, "Yeah, they're a good team. We lost to a team who was eighteen million over cap." Yeah, <laughs> like obviously the players know it. They're super upset. And if I, listen, I'd be upset too if I have to go into a playoff series facing a team who was eighteen million dollars over the salary cap. It would not surprise me if they instituted some kind of rule where you have to play a certain amount of regular season games in order to play in the playoffs. I don't know. Yep. can't do that because there's guys coming out of college. There's guys, you know, playing juniors that they come up and make an, make an impact. Like Cole Caulfield, you know, he, yep. I bet you, you know, made those. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is. It, it's just a strange season where this happened, but I hope will teams start to do this. If they have a guy who is, you know, injured, but maybe not seriously injured. And they just say, you know what? Just just take the second half of the year off. We're going to pick someone up the deadline, and we'll bring you back for the I, – I can't see it happening. But anyways, looking at the stats, it's really glaring how good, A, Kucherov, how good he is doing. He's just 
by far, he's got 22 points. He's, he's played 13 games. The guy didn't play all season. He, he's a freak of nature how good he is. He's got 22 points. The next closest active player is Stamkos, who has 14. So that just tells you how good he's playing. He's eight points ahead of him. Second in points right now is David Pasternak. He had a great series. He had a great playoffs. He hasn't played in two weeks. Like It's just funny how it goes Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Colorado, Colorado. The only active player who's still playing is Jean-Gabriel Jean Pajot, who's got 13. Kucherov almost has double the amount of points that he has. So if Tampa does win the Cup, there's no way you can't tell me that Kucherov doesn't win this Stanley Cup. Every single game that we watch of them, it's just he puts on a clinic every time he gets the puck. There's no other player that I can think of still playing that's as fun to watch as Kucherov. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like we said, he's scoring many different ways. He's dishing the puck and getting those assists too and helping his teammates. Yeah, he's the guy, and he would be the pick for me, I think, if uh, if Tampa wins. All right, now here's another. What about Vegas? Because they're an interesting team because they don't have that one guy, like you said. They're so balanced, and Fleury isn't – like he's not playing – it's hard to critique a goalie, really. He's playing good, but he's not playing lights out. They have a really good defensive team. Who wins that? That's a tough one. That's the one where I think it goes back to what I was saying. You just go with the face of the franchise, and that's Mark andre Fleury. No matter what the forwards do, no one really knows about any one of those forwards that great. And so you're just going to give it to Fleury because he's the guy who's on the tickets when you get it. He's the guy who's on the program. He's the guy who does all the interviews. Mark Stone ain't doing interviews. guy's a loser. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such a bad per- I shouldn't say that. I should not say that. He's probably a great guy. So can we agree on Flurry? Yeah, Flurry for sure. They don't All have right. any other one guy standing out. They don't. They're very this kind of run of the mill. Everybody's really good. The Islanders, much the same. Who did I already said Barzal. You have anybody else? Move no. the needle? Barzell's a good pick because, like, if you can't pick any one guy, no one guy stands out, then pick the one that you want kind of being the face of the franchise, and that's him. So, yeah, go with Barzell. In Vegas, he's the highest-rated Islander. Then they got Brock Nelson and Jordan Eberle. Kind of Jordan Eberle. I had no idea. Brock Nelson is such a good player. I don't think I've really watched him much until this this year in the playoffs. He's, he's such a complete, well-rounded player. Does he have – one of the best names left in the game, Brock Nelson. I love that name. It's a good name. Brock, Brock, if I ever have a boy, which I probably won't, Brock is on the list of names that I would consider. Seriously. It's a good name. Brock. Solid. It's nails. It's nails. I I hate that. I grew up in St. Catharines, and there was a university right next to us called Brock University. And the big joke was, walk and talk, you can go to Brock. Because it was just, uh, yeah, apparently they've improved, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I haven't been home since the pandemic because they can't go to Canada. Speaking of St. Catharines, the Buffalo Sabres play right next door in Buffalo, New York. You know, they were quiet, Tim, for a few weeks, and then, you know, they can't stay out of the news. They can't stay out of their own way, Buffalo Sabres. They love to just... They love controversy, and I don't know why this keeps propping up. And obviously, in the year-end meetings, Eichel made some comments, and here we are again. So we have some inside information. People are, you know, news is getting out. Kevin Adams is receiving calls from GMs throughout the league, and they are inquiring about a certain Jack Eichel, a certain captain, a certain young player who maybe is a little disgruntled 
with the way the organization is being run, with the way the organization is structured, with just where they're headed. You know, they're kind of just treading water and they're not really doing much and they keep trying to throw them a life preserver and it ends up being just an anchor and just taking them to the bottom. So what have you heard, Tim? You're more of an insider than I am. Give us a breakdown on Jack Eichel, what you've heard, and what do you think is the next step? So let me just set the table a little bit first, because oh, obviously set it, Tim. Yeah, get that table, Eichel. I mean, oh, this, this story go- on the outside. <laughs> the story it's goes back years, right? First, Tim. Okay, go ahead. And and Eichel has been basically kind of outspoken in the past about being frustrated. Everyone's kind of like, well. What are they going to do to get past the hump? He hasn't even played a playoff game in his career, and that's really not a good thing for someone as talented as he is and a guy that's supposed to be the face of the franchise, and you're not really supporting him with much. And they had some contracts that were pretty much swings and misses, Jeff Skinner, Taylor Hall, whatnot. And and the big speculation now was like, oh, Jack Eichel is going to ask for a trade. Jack Eichel is going to speak out, and he did, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but the, the narrative is shifting. We're supposed to, you know, the Sabres don't, want to bring him back now and they kind of push it you know it's the other way around as opposed to jack eichel asking for a trade now they're kind of saying well actually the sabers aren't sure if they want to bring him back and they might want to move him which i think is really interesting um and so now pierre lebron from the athletic basically said on i think what tuesday that we might he might be traded before the playoffs are even over you know and and the the talks between the uh the sabers and all these other teams are getting more intense and serious and you have to remember what Eichel said in his press conference a couple of weeks ago, which is the first time he had spoken. And I think at that point, a couple of months since he went down with injury, this is a quote here. He said, I've been a bit upset about the way things have been handled since I've been hurt. There's been a, a bit of a disconnect between myself and the organization. The most important thing now is to get healthy and be ready to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. So he's, he's basically saying like, I'm playing somewhere. I'm hoping it's somewhere else. And then you have this great quote from Kevin Adams just recently who basically said, not basically, this is a quote too. We have a tremendous young core of players that truly care about the team and the organization in this city. We are going to get this right with the people that want to be here. So, you, you know, throwing shade back and forth, it's kind of passive aggressive, but clearly where there's smoke, there's fire. And for Pierre Le- LeBron to be talking about it is obviously there's something to this. So um, he said there are there were six teams that were in heavy talks with uh, the Sabres for this for for Jack uh, that include the New York Rangers, Minnesota, L.A. Kings, Anaheim, Columbus Blue Jackets and Philadelphia Flyers. Um, their preference supposedly is to send him to the West. They don't want to play him in conference or anything, which makes sense if we make a trade of that magnitude. So first, you know, we talk about what the prospect or the package could be, but I mean, John, does any of this surprise you? And and what do you think of that list of teams that have so far been inquiring? It's, it's shocking. Uh, I don't understand why he would just, it's, it's maybe his pride getting the best of him. But why go out and make that comment where we maybe we don't want him here? Like, I just think you lose a lot of your leverage. And, yeah, maybe they're not going to trade him at the end of the day, or maybe they're just trying to send a, send a message to Jack Eichel saying, you know what, if you don't want to be here, then we don't want you here, bud. Like, we're not begging you to play. You're making $10 million a year. You have We have $50 million tied up in you. Like, we believe in you, but if you don't want to be here, like, fine, kick rocks. Like we'll be fine. We have a lot of good young players, but man, oh man, you don't want to like, why upset your franchise player? Why not just pull them? It seems like all of the dirty laundry just gets aired publicly with this franchise. And I don't, I don't understand why 
maybe they do pull him aside and they just like, he's just playing hardball. He's like, I'm not coming back. We see it more often than not these days where the players, they, they have a little bit of leverage. They have a little bit of sway with where they go, which is strange because it never used to be like that where players are more outspoken now saying, I don't want to play with this team, trade me, get me out of here. It's not a good situation. And then, Next thing you know, the management says, okay, we're going we're gonna to get rid of you. But that being said, the list of teams, it's the team that's most exciting for me is if he went to the New York Rangers. I think yeah. that would be super exciting. I don't see Boston on the list. Are you a little upset that Boston's not on the list? No, I don't think it really is. The, makes sense for them. I don't think that's the move. They have other more pressing needs. Yeah, I don't think they could even make a trade for him just because they, they don't have the cap space. they got to sign a lot of guys to, you know, to a lot of money. We'll see what they're going to do there. They just don't have the prospects to trade for him. If you are going to pry Jack Eichel out of Buffalo, you need to come with one or two first-round draft picks or one first-round draft pick and a really good prospect or a really good player. You're not going to pry him out of Buffalo because he does make $10 million, but it's not a bad deal. When you look at it, he, he signed for five more years. The cap will eventually raise in three or four years, so they will get some you know, levity with some more money into the system. $10 million, he's a really good player. Is he? Yep. Or are we just making him out to be this player that he's not? And he's just a really good player on a dumpy team, and he gets really good opportunities. We don't know. We don't know where Jack Eichel is going to land You know, when all said and done. But right now, I think he's a pretty good player who can – really do a lot of damage. So if you put him on a New York Rangers team, that's pretty dangerous. That's a dangerous team. They, they have $22 million in cap space. They're a team that could take him on. They have good young players. They have those two young goaltenders. They could give him a goaltender, give him a young defenseman. Delangelo still in their system. I'm sure Buffalo like to get their hands on him. Not that he's worth anything at this point, but they could put together a pool of players. Give him a cuckle. Trade a cuckle on a first rounder. And uh, yeah, the top, the top um, deal being talked about right now, this is just Elliot Friedman, who just basically, um, it's just rumors at this point, speculation, but he believes that the third overall pick from Anaheim is in play. Um, and there's also an offer, of, not an offer, but a speculation. What about that pick? And then Trevor Zagras, who was their first round pick last year, who just won the, uh, the gold with Team USA in, in uh, juniors, packaging that together as a starting point, which is probably a pretty good offer. But, but is, is there any chance that Buffalo gets fair value for Eichel? If they could pull that deal off, getting a third overall pick, mind you, this is this draft will be like unlike any draft we've ever experienced just because they never had time to scout. Some of these guys didn't even play this year. Like there were leagues that didn't even get up. The OHL didn't play a game. So yeah. it, it's very hard to scout players. So that maybe devalues a pick and maybe teams are more – you know, likely to trade a pick just because they don't know who they're going to draft. Where in years past, like you have a pretty firm grasp on who the top 10 is going to be this year. It's, it's, it's honestly, they, no one knows who goes where they know the powers kid is number one. He's, you know, solidified himself as that. But other than that, it's, there's a lot of unknowns and that scares GM. So if you can trade a first round pick this year and last year for a known commodity and Jack Eichel, I'm doing that all day. If I'm Anaheim, I'm pulling the trigger on that trade. And I would do that too if I was Buffalo. I think it's one of those trades like it's a win-win, just like the Max Pacioretty trade for Suzuki. You're getting a young, skilled player and a draft pick for a guy who's who's a known commodity. You know what you're getting from Jack Eichel? If, if Buffalo trades Eichel, you have to trade Rasmus Ristolainen. You have to try to get someone to take Jeff Skinner off your, your you know payroll. You have to just totally go all rebuild. Uh, man, Buffalo, they... They just cannot seem to figure it out. They, it, it, 
it's frustrating because I like Buffalo. I like the Sabres. I like going back there. It's such a good city, but they just – I hope Kevin Adams has a plan, not just like he's doing this because he's being forced to. I hope there is an end game where it's like, okay, we're going to trade Jack, but we're still going to compete. It's like you cannot compete if you don't have Jack Eichel on your team. There's no way you're going to be good with Jack Eichel off of your team. So you have to just sell – get rid of Rasmus Dahlin. Why not? Well, you can't do that. He's he still has some up value, but who are there any other teams other than Anaheim in New York that makes sense to you? I don't know why Philly's kicking the tires. I like Columbus. It, I don't see him in cities like that. I really don't. Kings, don't, LA Kings, Kings. Yeah, they make they make a little bit of sense. The West needs to retool. They they they've been too bad for too long. I I think one of those teams in the West make us makes a lot of sense in the New York Rangers. It, it would be really nice to see Jack Eichel on the big stage. Get that flow flowing. He's got the personality. He really does. Like he's one of these guys. He's he, he strikes me as like I just don't care. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna play. He's like uh, who's that quarterback for the Jets who predicted the win a long time ago? Broadway Joe. Joe Namath. He just reminds me of a guy like that. He's like, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's going to go out there. He's going to slug a couple back after the games. You know, the TV is going to be on. The cameras are going to be on him. He's going to be chugging beers. I just like Jack Eichel. I, I don't know what it is. So, so put, put him in a big city, the LA, the New York Rangers. He would be a superstar. He's kind of hidden in Buffalo right now, and they've been horrendous since he's been there. You put him on the big stage, he's, he, will, he will be a superstar. A superstar. I, I just think he has that kind of mojo. He's got a better personality than all these other superstars that are in like Connor McDavid's or Austin Matthews or Sidney Crosby's. I think this guy's got a cool personality. I just, uh, that's just what I heard around the grapevine. You know, the trainers in Buffalo all go to a charity event. Like Jack's a cool guy. You know, he likes the that- stops. The the time I'm trying to get the timeline right. The season that you were on Buffalo when they had like that awful awful season, would that did they pick Jack that, that summer? Yeah, or was that tank, a year before? Tank for Jack. Tank. No, maybe it was the next year they tanked for Jack. I can't remember. Okay, remember but you never I met him. You, remember, I said I my my I met him. My memory's garbage. I don't, I don't know if it was that year or the year after. But yeah, they tanked. They, it was a tank for Connor. And then Jack was kind of like the the secondary prize. And Edmonton yeah. got the first pick, and Buffalo got second pick. But not a bad not a bad runner up prize getting Jack Eichel. No. Anyways, moving on, Tim. Any other news we got ahead here? No, no. I'm excited to see Montreal win two at home this weekend. Do you honestly think they're going to pick up a game at home? <laughs> yes, I do. I think they're going to win a game. I think it's going to be a two to two heading back to Vegas. <sighs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I really, I can't see it happening. They're going to play Friday. They're going to play Sunday. We're going to do a Monday show. And I'm going to come back. Vegas is going to be up three to one. I'm going to shove it in everybody's face. I'm going to be tweeting my face off. I'm just going to do shirtless pictures of me flexing. And it's going to be fantastic. And everybody's just going to have to suck it. Sorry. Sorry, honey. I shouldn't have said that. I just get fired up. I just think Vegas is going to win. I think the Islanders are going to win. Well, is, are the Lightning going to be able to pick up a game going into the Coliseum? The Coliseum has been like they're, – they're so good there. The place is going to be rocking. It's going to be fun. I think they come out of there. That'll be a series that will come out of there 2-2. And it'll be a best I do three. too. I think both of them will, honestly. You don't know anything. You have a broken leg. You can't even leave the house. You're like that movie. Oh, I'm like so bad with my memory right now. It's got um, – I'm blowing it. It's got misery. Have you ever seen Misery? I don't, no, I haven't. The lady kidnaps the writer and she breaks his leg so he can't leave. And she uh-huh. 
It's 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 like you, but no one's trying to keep you in that. That's Stephen King. I don't know who it is, but it's like it's a, it might not even be Misery, but it's about this writer and the lady kidnaps him and breaks his leg. It's like Robert Duvall, I think. Maybe not. I'm butchering it. I don't know. I gotta go get some sleep. I'm tired, Tim. I played golf yesterday for the first time. So fun. Oh, you poor thing. It was great. It was a charity tournament for our local Carmelite Monastery. They've given me cigars before the game. We had a couple beers. It was fantastic. I don't usually smoke cigars, but I did last yesterday. It was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Like I'm talking. I just swing. Swing okay. I played okay. I haven't played in a year and a half. We're we're pretty consistent. You know, my drives were staying. You know, between the trees and not always in the fairway. But I found most of my balls, and it was a good time. It's a good. The key is to get a good group on a scramble. You don't get a. If you get a good group, bunch of your buddies, you don't get any wieners who take it too serious, then you're going to have some fun. Nobody took it too serious. We are out there having a good time. It was all in good fun, all for charity, Tim. So it was awesome. So I'm a little sunburned. I'm a little tired. What are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? I'm getting old. Sounds fun. I'm glad you had a good time. I would have invited you, but, you know, you got to be able to walk. (laughs) And And you invited me to drive the cart. Can't do that either. Yeah, I did invite you to drive the cart. That's right. See, I by the way, that. I'm going to give Danielle a shout out. The tacos she made me, she brought over. John brought me uh Korean beef tacos. So like a whole tub of beef and rice and, and coleslaw and all the bunch of stuff. Unbelievable. It's so good. I've gotten three meals out of it. There's so much in there. It's really, really good. Shout out Danielle. And I will also say that I was a little upset that I got you all that food. And then I went home and I didn't have as much as you got. <laughs> yeah, you got I still have I more in the eat. fridge and it's delicious yes I'll, yeah. I'll tell her you said thank you she doesn't listen to this show so <laughs> she's not a fan but anyways everybody I'm looking forward to Monday we'll get Marcus Foligno next week he had some issues he's moving into a new house you know how it is with the millionaires they got so many houses they don't know what to do with them but we'll get him on we'll talk about Vegas and how he's doing in the new baby blah 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 we'll talk about how Montreal has tanked again life is better everything is right in the world But anyways, everybody, have a good weekend. We will see you later, and cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 